podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted wildcatters, those spooky Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it's time for another Thursday Whip Around show, getting everyone ready for the K-State Oklahoma game, Oklahoma State game on Saturday. We got a nice little collection. Again, um, you'll you'll hear a little bit more from me than you typically will. Um, we got Mitch Fortner, the great Mitch Fortner, the PA voice of K-State football and basketball, and the host of the game every single day on 1350 K-Man right there in Manhattan, Kansas from 4 to 6. And you can also catch them on the podcast. Um, I have a nice little conversation with Philip Slavin of the 1012 Network talking about the Big 12 as a whole and uh, the K-State Oklahoma State game. Get a little bit of insight into what's going on down there in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I will wrap up uh, just with some stuff I've been hearing about K-State men's basketball. Nothing crazy new about K-State women's basketball. And then talk K-State soccer and volleyball as well. Before we get to Mitch Fortner, as always, we are sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. If you are getting to Manhattan, whether it's for the full homecoming weekend or just on Saturday, you have to stop in at Manhattan Brewing Company. They always have... So many great beers on tap. They have a full bar so you can get your cocktails there as well. Bring some food into the tap room. Tell them I say hello. Get a couple pints there. The freshest, most delicious beer in the entire state of Kansas. And then grab a couple four-packs. Take them to the tailgate. Become the most popular person you know, on the east-west side. You know, Student lot, ag lot, vet med lot. All these different parking lots. Become the most popular person. Because you're rolling deep with a couple four packs of Manhattan Brewing Company. And then get in the ear uh, ear of anyone at your favorite liquor store uh, to make sure that they start stocking Manhattan Brewing Company beer in the craft beer section. So let's talk to our guy, Mitch Fortner. Mitch the Fort Fortner. uh, And and let's see how he... uh, Let's hear how he sees uh, this game going on Saturday. So let's get to it. Thank you very much, Mr. Wildcat, and uh, thank you so much for picking me to do the primer for maybe the toughest game to predict so far because of all the gosh dang injuries for K-State and Oklahoma State, but it's always great to be back on Bosco's Boys, and uh, it's my pleasure to try to break this game down for you. Uh, that takes place Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium at 2 o'clock. My name is Mitch Fortner. I am the announcing hustler of K-State Athletics Public address announcer for K-State football, men's basketball, and baseball now. 
Uh, and of course, I have the game from four to six on News Radio KMA, and you can just search for the game KMA on wherever you listen to podcasts and keep up with what's going on with the Cats. Plus, also back to the like announcing thing, doing some play by play for uh, sometimes for radio, sometimes for TV for K State. Also, the play by play voice of Manhattan High School football and basketball. All right, so looking back to the last game against TCU in Fort Worth, the Cats lost 38-28 after being up 11 points at the half, 28-17. Casey in the first half, 128-0 run, and then in the second half, well, at the end of the first, into the second half, a 28-0 run for the TCU Horned Frogs. Adrian Martinez out of the game after the first possession for the offense, and... Um, Looked like a leg injury. Will Howard comes in. Fourth time in his career he's come in for an injured player, and he's slinging it all over the field. He was a throwing machine. Not only was he throwing for yardage, but, man, was he putting it on the money. Very few bad throws, in my opinion. He threw one a little bit short to Cade Warner for a touchdown, but he comes through and makes a humongous play. He makes a great catch, fighting off that defender to take the ball away, and that got the Cats on the board. I mean, four straight touchdown drives, and three of those four touchdowns were just four-play drives, so big plays were being picked up. And then momentum was killed at the end of the first half on K-State's last drive when I think Playgolin got a little bit too conservative, went away from what was working, and then TCU scores in the half. And then they score to begin the second half. Momentum is completely gone. And also, not to mention, all of the freaking injuries that were adding up. Adrian Martinez, Will Howard, but he came back in. Ben Sinnott tied in. Deuce Vaughn is banged up. He was in and out. Daniel Green left in the first quarter, did not return, concerned about him. Julius Brintz, uh, he left the game as well, and it, it sounds like he's likely to play. That is really good news. And Josh Hayes, not sure about that kid. Uh, just so many guys banged up. K-State could not catch a break in that game against TCU, leading to their second loss. Cats are now 5-2. and 3-1 and one in Big 12 play. They're in second place, ranked 22nd in the country. The team they're, they're about to face, ranked in the top 10, also tied for second place in the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now, where the Cats at compared to my season expectations, you know what? Actually, really not that far off. I, probably how I predicted this season so far, I, I'm probably thinking 6-1 and one or 5-2. and two. I really am. 3-1 and one in Big 12 play, absolutely would take it at this time. I just probably wouldn't have picked... Uh, you know, Oklahoma, probably Oklahoma to be the loss, probably beating TCU. That'd be the way I would have predicted it in the preseason. But the Cats still have a chance to make it to Arlington without a doubt. And uh, I predicted K-State to make it to Arlington for the Big 12 championship. So everything is still in K-State's reach. Absolutely. But clearly a pivotal matchup with a Big 12 title championship game implications on the line, certainly as the Cats return to Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Uh, you know, big storylines this week, of course, were the injuries, certainly. Uh, so I'll mention that again. But also the kicking situation. Chris Tennant missing two field goals. I think he's missed now three of his last four. Um, there's a big concern there. And clearly field goal kicking, that's that's crucial. I mean, if he makes those two kicks at TCU, you 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 consistently through that second half have, have at least, at the, at the worst, a one-possession game where you're trying to catch up. And who knows what's happened even if you're down all those guys. K-State had great opportunities to come back and win that game, and it just didn't happen. The little things were adding up. But uh, really, to me, those are the two big storylines. It's just kind of who knows who's going to be in and who's going to be out of the guys I mentioned. 
that are banged up for K-State and also for uh, for Oklahoma State. A couple of keys to the game that I have for K-State. Uh, offensively, you remember that thing they were doing against TCU with throwing the football down the field, picking up chunk plays and putting together short and lucrative drives yeah how about we do that again against Oklahoma State the Cowboys are the worst passing defense in the Big 12 allowing 303 yards a game I think just one of the Big 12 opponents they faced so far was held under 300 yards passing and it was like 280 so they're going to give up passing yards they're going to give up points in the passing game Will Howard or Adrian Martinez have to be able to sling it they're back at home at a safe, <laughs> a safe environment, no longer hostile, back-to-back road games, throw the freaking football and pick up those chunk plays. And they could, I, I think they could do exactly what they did in the first half against TCU, just demolish that secondary, especially since Oklahoma State might be without who I think is their best, one of their best players in the secondary, and he's a retro senior, and Jason Taylor, who buckled that knee towards the end of the Texas game, had that game-saving interception and he might not be be able to play and he leads the team with three interceptions this year and also uh, I think he also leads the team in pass breakups so that's pretty key as well on the defensive side of the football I think the Cats just need to be ready for a pretty good running back who's very limited in experience he's a freshman uh, but he's pretty talented in my opinion just 22 carries this year for running back Jaden Nixon um, he has 114 yards, about 5.2 yards per carry. He got a little bit more attention in the Texas game. He's kind of a tough guy to tackle. He's a stronger back. And K-State has struggled with some stronger backs like Kendry Miller for TCU where he should have been stopped for two or three yards, but he's so strong, K-State kind of struggled to tackle him. And he turned that into like a six or seven yard gain on first down. That was, uh, to me, that was very crucial. If I was Oklahoma State, I would attack the areas where K-State is missing some starters, especially with that offense. You know, Khalid Duke is not going to play. Excuse me, Khalid Duke is not going to play in the first half because he was tossed in the TCU game for targeting in the fourth quarter. Plus, in that secondary, Josh Hayes hopefully will be able to play. Hopefully, Julius Prince will play. But if we're still banged up back there, uh, K-State's been pretty de- decent at stopping the pass. But if you're missing a couple of key guys like that, it's going to be a little bit tougher, of course. Uh, but also, I would, you know, take advantage of having a stronger back and Jaden Nixon to run the football and K-State uh, you know without Daniel Green might have some rough some tougher times trying to make those tackles this is a really one to predict of course with the final score I'm not sure who I'm picking yet I'm hoping if maybe some source of mine can tell me give a, a few whispers on who might be in and who might be out by the time Powercat game day starts to air at 10 30 and then I'll, I'll probably give my official prediction then because that's kind of my last chance to do so anyway so sorry if that's disappointing. I just I just can't do it yet. I just can't. I I want to give what I truly feel is going to be the results, and I just don't exactly have that yet. I just don't. There's just too many questions and too many factors heading into this game. But maybe that's what makes it so interesting as well and so much fun. Kinda. I mean, it sucks to have these guys injured and banged up and not sure who's going to play and who's not. But uh, the guessing game is a little bit interesting. But uh, I'm hoping more guys are out for Oklahoma State than there are for. K-State, but the Cowboys missed so many guys, so many starters against Texas. They still won the game in comeback fashion. But once again, you can follow me on Twitter at Mitch the Fort. I host the game from 4 to 6 on News Radio KMAN. Search for the game KMAN on SoundCloud or wherever you listen to your podcasts to listen to the show. It airs Monday through Friday, except for football season. It's just Monday through Thursday because I call Manhattan High football on Fridays. But uh, should be a fun one at the bill. Sold out. Standing room only tickets available. 
I hope you uh, got your tickets to the game. It's going to be a very fun environment. Mr. Wildcat, thank you so much for having me on Bosco's Boys. Always appreciate the invitation. And go Cats. And thank you to Mitch Fortner. He truly is one of the best in the business, one of the most talented guys in the business as well. All right, we are going to have a nice uh, chat with Philip Slavin of the 1012 Podcast. Before we do, we got some news coming out of K-State, out of Manhattan. Some more praise for the guy Adrian Martinez. He is a finalist for the Campbell Trophy, which is uh, put on by the National Football Foundation. Um, it's uh, all about being a great scholar athlete. So uh, more than just what is happening down on the football field, but as a great student athlete and ambassador to the community as well so you love to see it um just a great guy i hope we get to see him on saturday you're gonna hear philip he's a little bit more bullish on adrian martinez playing in that game than i am so let's go to my conversation that's right you have to hear a little bit more from me uh this week than usual so let's hear what philip had to say and uh listen to conversation i had with him earlier We have a twofer on this Thursday Whip Around show. Uh, he is the host of the greatest Big 12 podcast in the world, and he's an Oklahoma State guy, so I'm like, screw it. I'm going to get him to do the primer and talk Big 12, but you know what? I haven't talked with him on our podcast in way too long. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the godfather, father. Basically, he's the father, son, and holy ghost of the 1012 network. So it is Philip Slavin. Philip, I didn't. I usually write out my like big long intros. I'm like, ah, I've had you on enough. Uh, so forgive me for getting a little sacrilegious there. So how are you doing? How's life? And uh, you know, you know, everyone should listen to the 1012 Network and the 1012 Pod. So I mean, just how's life? Uh, I felt a, a strange need to spectacle testicles while and watch myself there just to make sure I didn't, uh, you know, step out and get struck by lightning. But I didn't say it, so I think I'm in the clear here. Uh, we're good. 10-12 is, is good. Um, man, what a season for the Big 12 so far. It's been incredible. It's been must-watch. The Big 12 keeps getting talked about it. as or Everyone keeps talking about the Big 12 as must-watch. I wish they would put a little bit more respect beyond just, like, must-watch. Because there's a little bit of, like, look how much fun this conference is. Like, Maction, fun belt. Like, no, no, stop that. Like, you, you can say that it's fun and exciting because it is and it's engaging and that's good. Give us the props for that. However, don't stop when you talk about the Big 12 by just saying it's a lot of fun. Like, it's a little bit too much. Like, she's got a nice personality in the way that the Big 12 is getting talked about right now. And, and I don't mean that to sound bad. Like, we're also 
very attractive as well. So maybe you can talk about our looks and and in that way as well because I don't know. I'm just it's it's a good year for the Big Twelve. You and I talked about this. I need to know. I, there has to be a record for number of sellouts Big 12 schools are having for home games right now. Like Oklahoma State's now had four straight. I think Texas Tech's been selling out everyone. Kansas. Kansas football had a, at least one sellout, if not two. Like TCU's two. had one. Kansas State, State's had them. K-State selling out the entire season. I, either everyone's full of it, and this is an orchestrated, like, look how well we're doing. Or my belief is this really is everything that has gone down since Oklahoma and Texas announced they were leaving and everyone just took a massive national media right on the big 12 has, you saw a lot of the response to it last year, but it was so immediate. Everyone was still in their feels and everyone was still so confused and lost of what's going to happen that now that we had had a full year to process that and now seeing what's happening in the big 12 and Brett, your mark coming in. And I think really kind of galvanizing things and, and we could talk about how he's a salesman all day. I think what he's doing is what the big 12 needs, but like, it really does feel like the big 12 is, is responding to all that has been said and done to the eight schools that are remaining, especially the four schools that are incoming. They're doing great. They're very excited. Those fan bases are engaged because they're joining the big 12, but for the eight schools who will be here still after Oklahoma and Texas leave for the sec, it really does feel like these fan bases are like, you know what? We'll show you. We're going to show you, we're going to do great TV numbers which the Big 12 is doing a very good job when given the opportunity to do so. Even when they're stuck on FS1, which does not do good TV numbers, they're turning over really good TV numbers. Fox, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, put us on more. But they're also filling up the stadiums. So it's not just, hey, well, everyone's staying home and no one's going to the game, so they're all watching like it's COVID all over again. No, 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 they're going to the stadiums. The fan, diehard fans are going to the stadiums to watch the games. And a ton of people are watching Big 12 games on TV. I don't think... From a football standpoint, things could be going any better right now for the Big 12 since Oklahoma and Texas decided they were leaving than you possibly could, barring like stealing teams from another power conference or a Big 12 team actually getting into the four-team playoff that's not named Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And again, I, I want to talk about Oklahoma State because, you know, you are you are the Big 12 man. You are the guy, but you're also a cowpoke. I, or No, you don't like it when people say that. You're a cowboy. Sorry. Sorry, you don't. Pokes like... are good. No, no, no. Okay. Pokes are fine. That's you all have good. The, it's don't the... call us O State. Don't call us Oki State. It's Oklahoma it's State. State. Don't do Oki State. Okay. It's, all right. You don't call. Right. I I will try my best. I I just want to say one thing because you brought it up. The Fox Sports One numbers. I was doing a little bit of digging, uh, but but it's busy time at my secret day job, uh, so I, w- I haven't been able to complete it. But at least in some of the initial research I'm doing, Fox Sports One. And it's only with Big 12 games. You're, they're not seeing it with any other one. But for Big 12 games, FS1 is seeing their best run of TV numbers since the network launched back in 2013. They're seeing some of the highest college football ratings they ever have. And it's all Big 12 schools. So it's not like some of these other uh, conferences are contributing to it. It is the Big 12 doing numbers that we've never seen on Fox Sports 1. So I'm glad you brought that up. And hey, our two schools going head to head on Big Boy Fox. And you know what? I th- I think I think Oklahoma State should do some do a solid for the conference, lose to K State because it sounds like if if K State wins, it sounds like Big Noon kickoff and that 11 a.m. slot with Fox would be coming to Manhattan, Kansas for the K State Texas game the following week. So if you're really a Big 12 guy, you're going to call up Gundy and be like, "Look, your son needs some playing time." Sit Spencer Sanders for the home stretch. 
uh, and let's just see what happens. I think that's only fair, Philip. Uh, to to paraphrase Mike Gundy, we have a logo too. So uh, I've also seen the like, could could OSU beating Kansas State going down to Lawrence to face Kansas with the return of Jalen Daniels have a nice TE time slot? And I think it might as well. I think it might as well. OSU's been like, OSU's been the 230 on some network every Big 12 game this season, and it continues to do really good numbers considering they're going up against the SEC on CBS every single week, which is good. Uh, look, I, the Big 12 is doing the best it can at absolutely the right time that you needed to be doing the best it can. Now, as far as this particular game, again, Fox 230. I know CBS is going to have their SEC game on, but I think there'll be a lot of eyeballs on this one and for good reason. Like everything I'm seeing is the projection in this is close. We've seen the line shift from Oklahoma State to Kansas State. It's not it's not been big at all. There's you throw in all the questions about the health of Adrian Martinez and and probably not going to be practicing all week even if he gets to play. Uh, OSU is banged up. Kansas State, but these are two teams that are very banged up. Could both benefit from a week off. Unfortunately, the Big Twelve there are no weeks off this season unless you have an idle week, which is I mean that's the line we use in basketball all the time and it's only going to get worse. And now we get to use it in football, which. I mean, even the SEC has Missouri and Vanderbilt. You know, we the worst we've got is West Virginia, and we put out our our resume ratings again graphic on Wednesday, and, and it's a real simple look at similar to what the committee does. Uh, your schedule is listed from one shade to the other. So for the committee, they do it red to green. Obviously, it's always red green. Red green is a colorblind issue. We were told that, so I found another color. Gold is good. Blue is bad. Very simple. Darker blue, worst. Dark gold, good. Uh, every Big 12 team is in gold. Every Big 12 team is top half of college football going off of the composite rankings we use from our friend John Wheeler, uh, 1012, or as he's been referred to on Twitter, the uh, Lockheed Stats guy, uh, CFP resume rankings. So he he pulls like 40 different ratings and ranking systems, puts them all together, drops the highest and lowest for each team, and then puts it one through 131. Every Big 12 team is top, what is it, 66, 60, 62? I think it's 66. 131 divided by two is math, and I don't do math. Um, other people do that for me. Why do you think we found a stats guy? But like every Big 12 game is tough. And so there are no weeks off. These are two banged up teams that project to be close, have strengths and weaknesses that don't nest. There's not a lot of spots where you look at it and go, they have an edge here, they have an edge here, they have a distinct edge here, or this one here. Like I just, I, I don't know what to, I really, we are going to do our picks pod here in about 10 minutes as we're recording this. And uh, I have to figure out what I'm going to pick and I have no idea. So I watched at least the first half from a bar in Fort Worth, right? You know, less than a mile from their stadium of the Texas Oklahoma state game, Oklahoma state wins, you know, in another close game. Uh, what, what was the big storyline from the Oklahoma state perspective coming out of that one? Well, a couple things. Um, in hindsight, you look at the first half and say, if OSU had a turnover on special teams, it wasn't actually a turnover, but you couldn't overturn it with the view of the camera. So Texas got that one. You had a fantastic drive that marched all the way down to the inside the Texas red zone. And then the re- announcers go and Spencer Sanders is eight for eight on this drive and immediately throw messes or is off on what should have been a walk-in touchdown and then throws a interception straight into the end zone. Texas marches down and scores a touchdown, goes up by two scores. And then you have the 
complete clock mismanagement at the end of the first half and you leads to a missed field goal and, and OSU had all these things go wrong and yet they were still only down seven and you look at it and go I can't tell if I should be optimistic about that or just like well congrats you're still somehow in this game but we don't know what it's going and then the second half just completely shifts and look I, I get it was windy that day Spencer Sanders didn't have as much trouble as Quinn Ewers uh, Quinn Ewers is something about a pulled out fingernail or something i don't know the defense played well texas did not in the second half and and look it, quinn ewers completes a couple of those deep passes that he was complete way way off on like not close and texas probably wins that game uh we could talk about the penalties all day nine of the 14 of texas 14 penalties were pre-snap like that's not judgment calls like that's that's you uh, to me, it was Oklahoma State continued to play well on offense, similar to the way they did in the first half. The defense did enough in the second half, and, and Texas's offense went into enough of a shell as we have seen in the second half. And Quinn Ewers played like a a freshman, which is essentially what he is, because remember, he, he left high school a year early. This should be his true freshman season. First true road game for Quinn Ewers at Oklahoma State on homecoming. Not an easy place to play at homecoming when it is loud and raucous and packed and full on a sellout in that situation. And OSU was able to win another close game. Gundy continues to be good in close games. Like it, I, I think Derek Dude put out the record. I could go hunt Twitter and find it. I don't want to right now because we don't have that much time. But like, I I would love to sit here and tell like, well, OSU made this adjustment. Did. The, OSU just didn't give up the the monster plays that Bijan and Roshan had in the first half. Because we looked at it, Texas had all these yards and 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 I think like what was it seven almost seventy percent of their yardage in the first half came on ten plays. They just they had some huge massive plays on some busted stuff on the Oklahoma State defense. We've seen that it's a young defense, especially in the secondary and at linebacker. It's going to be an issue all season. They're going to make some mistakes. OSU continues to find ways to overcome the defense, the, the mistakes that are made by by playing well enough in the other spots to get the wins for every week except for TCU. KSA fans know so much about the injury bug. That's going to be the big thing. Everyone's going to be scouring message boards, Twitter, trying to get any sort of inside information uh, all the way up until kickoff. Oklahoma State's dealing with some injuries of themselves. Uh, what is the latest injury report, at least uh, to the best of your knowledge? And uh, are there any guys that are expected to be out or any guys that are expected to be back? Or is it kind of like, all right, well, we'll see who's warming up down on the field, you know, at one o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, Gundy's basically, I'm not talking about injuries. So we have no idea. I mean, I, I would expect Spencer Sanders is going to play unless he just can't. But, I mean, he's he's going to play. There's questions on at wide receiver. You've had multiple injuries there. Uh, we haven't heard about – I haven't heard anything confirming Jason Taylor, who made the game-stealing interception. He had an injury. We'll see if he's back. Um, you've had issues on the offensive line. Your first two centers have been banged up and missed time. I don't know. I, and, and I don't think we're going to until the game starts because we just, the, the best we can do is we hear from radio calls, you know, when they start early on an hour before kickoff, Gundy's just not talking about injuries at all this off season or during the season. He just, he's not doing it. Uh, they put out depth charts and the depth chart doesn't look any different than normal there. So there's just not a whole lot that we have to go on right now. Uh, I, I'd say they're beat up. There's going to be players who don't. I would I would expect you're at work best on your second string center starting again, or you're moving um, 
Uh, Mikulski, um over from left guard again. Um, I I would love to tell you I know what the injuries are, but we don't. Um, yeah, and it's a similar thing at at K State. You know, you you hear some of the things, and I think Chris Kleiman is is a little bit. I wouldn't say notorious. There's no incentive to tell the truth when it comes to injuries uh, in the media. So I, 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 I'm in the exact same boat. Uh, so I hear you. Um, got two more questions for you. Cause I know you're going to uh, record your own picks pod. Remember everyone needs to be listening to the 10, 12 network. You guys are dropping at least two, sometimes three episodes every single week. Uh, it is the one podcast. I don't skip even when K state loses a game. Cause I don't listen to any other college football stuff. In case it loses, but I do listen to you guys. All right. The first one, it's like two parts. Part uh, 1A is what is the biggest key for Oklahoma State to be successful on Saturday? And number 1B, uh, what's the thing that if you were consulting K-State, what is something they need to attack to try to exploit a weakness on this Oklahoma State team? I mean, OSU's weakness has just been giving up big plays. Um, Deuce Vaughn can make big plays. He can make guys miss. It's... The defensive line for Oklahoma State remains to be continues to be very very good. Uh, OSU is is eight point two tackles for loss per game. It's still like top fifteen. Uh, their third down defense, top five at point two five five. Like the defensive line is still good. Linebackers, their Mason Cobb is pretty good. It's obviously a massive drop off from Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper last year, but but they're doing all right. The secondary is beat up. I mean, the secondary is beat up. And, and so you have real questions of, of who's your starting corners, who's your starting safeties. Is Jason Taylor going to be out there? Where's Jabbar Muhammad be playing? Do you have a healthy Kendall Daniels for the whole game? Like the secondary is young. They're inexperienced. They're banged up. That is the weakness for Oklahoma State. Um, <clears throat> if you have, if you believe that one of Kansas State's wide receivers, if you can get them deep downfield and you can hit your targets, you're going to have opportunities against Oklahoma State secondary. That's that's where they've been the biggest, the, the biggest weakness has been. Uh, the run game has given up some big plays. Biggest ones, of course, against Texas last week, Bijan and Roshan. Deuces uh, are, without argument, at worst, the second best running back in the Big 12, so that I would expect him to probably break off one good run or a very nice irritating pass that's really a run, but it's called a pass, and yet he still runs it for 60 yards and a touchdown. Like That's the big thing for Oklahoma State is you're going to give up a big, big play or two in this game. Can Kansas State maximize those and get as many as possible? Um, OSU's going to give up a few. Can they minimize them? Can Kansas State take advantage of that and, and break off some big runs or break off some deep passes and, and beat the secondary? For OSU, man, Oklahoma State's running game this season has been not great. Um, it's just not. It's just not very effective. It's put that much more on Spencer Sanders' shoulders, which is why I don't think he's getting enough credit for the job that he is doing. It was like, well, his numbers aren't that much better than normal. Yeah, but the difference is every year they have wanted to rely on the run game to take pressure off of Spencer Sanders. They are not able to do that effectively this year. There's no Jalen Warren like last year. Last year, they could just round the pound with Jalen Warren all game and, and not ask Mr. Sanders to do too much. He's having to do a lot this year, a whole lot more than usual. And he has risen to the occasion and is playing his best ball. And so again, the stats don't always line, say that and say, well, he's, you know, completion percentage what he is having to do for this offense to account for the inefficiencies on the run game and the issues on defense has been incredible and he's not getting nearly enough credit for it um if sanders can continue to play the way he has if they can keep him from getting the absolute snot beat out of him i mean he got hit 
enough times against Texas. I'm, I was a little bit shocked he was still standing at the end of the game as many hits as he took and continues to take. If they can protect him um, and he can be effective in the quarterback run game as he has been this season, uh, OSU sh- will be in this game. Again, I, there's so many injuries. Like sitting here and saying like, this is what's going to happen to this game. If everyone, if everything was equal, I feel like we could do a pretty good job of trying to figure out what this game was going to be. With the injuries, who the heck knows? Yeah, I don't think it's one. Uh, I, I don't think anyone who's going to make a wager on this game, whether legal in the state of Kansas or illegal uh, in all the states that are, I don't think anyone truly knows. I think people are just guessing or they think they might have a clue. Uh, I don't think anyone does. But I will ask, and because I like it, I'll let you say, hey, no, listen to the Picks podcast, or I'm not going to do it. But I am going to ask, if you had to throw out a score prediction, where is your gut feeling on 10-26 at 12.59 p.m. in God's time zone? Uh, I have given up doing score predictions a long time ago because I have no idea how to say, like, this team will score this many points and this team will score this many points. I don't know. What I will tell you is, as I said here at this moment, on Wednesday at 1 p.m., I lean towards I lean towards Kansas State at home because they're at home because I do think you'll have a nice sellout crowd. <clears throat> I do think Adrian Martinez is going to play. I think he is going to take the week off. I think he'll have some rust to him. So I think this will be an ugly game and a low scoring game. But I think Martinez's legs will be effective enough in game and be able to exploit some of the big plays that Oklahoma State gives up to give Kansas State the edge at the end of the game and pull off a four to seven point win. Well, there you have it. I hope you're correct. Uh, that's Philip Slavin, the host of the 1012 pod, the godfather of the 1012 network. I think you're going to be making an appearance on our friend's show, the Cocaine Willie uh, live show. It's going to be on Spotify. Granted, anyone listening to this, it, it's already happened. Uh, so make sure you go find Philip's appearance on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, anywhere your podcast can be found. And again, if you're not listening to the 1012 podcast, couple times a week then you're no friend of mine so philip thanks again for coming on and good luck with your picks podcast again one of my favorite shows to listen to every week man scott always a pleasure glad to have you in the network took a long time but it was absolutely worth it and uh appreciate you being our k-state Rams man yes anytime And again, you guys need to be making sure you're listening to the 1012 network. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit of uh, K State women's vol or just K State volleyball. A little bit of K State soccer. A little bit of K State men's and women's basketball as well. We'll start with the men again. Nothing too crazy. Um, I think they're trying to keep everything relatively quiet before uh, that first exhibition game. That first exhibition game is truly just right around the corner. You're going to be able to watch it on ESPN Plus or inside Bramlage Coliseum uh, less than a week away, folks. Less than a week away. On Tuesday, November 1st, 7 p.m. versus Washburn, either in Bramlage Coliseum or on ESPN+. Plus. Um, the, the, the only real big news and, and, the, and something that is 
insanely surprising to me is all the all the noise coming out of Manhattan is how fast Desi Sills has hit the ground. Um, originally, I was saying, yeah, hopefully we see him uh, start to get to the role we want to see him play by January 31st. Uh, or not January 1st, uh, 31st, December 1st, that, that game versus West Virginia, I think we're going to see a lot sooner. I think we are going to see Desi Sills, maybe not starting, but really getting deep minutes, a lot of minutes in that rotation, almost from the jump. It sounds like he has hit the ground running. He was doing his homework when he was away. I am pumped for it. The other thing that I wanted to bring up is, Phil ba- or uh, yeah, Phil B- uh, Bear, the strength and conditioning coach. He has been tweeting out some of these uh, stats and some of these metrics from uh, the practices. We are seeing guys. We're seeing Jarrell Colbert, Naquan Tomlin, Tyke Green. We're seeing Ish Masood. We're seeing uh, some of the walk-ons. We are seeing these guys hit over 18 miles an hour. In practice, we see these guys just absolutely moving. And what's encouraging about it is you're seeing a lot of these guys be the big guys. I think this team is going to be out and running. And if teams we're playing against aren't ready, if they're not, if they're not up for it, you better watch out. That this team is going to be able to run. And they're also jumping out of the gym in a practice recently. Cam Carter got uh, measured jumping over 39 inches. Keontae is right around 35 inches uh, elevating, just absolutely elevating in practice. This is an insanely athletic team. This is a team that is going to run past you and jump over you. I can't wait for it. Um, On the women's side, Again, it, it, it really is going to be an interesting season. And I'm going to be tuning in early and often because I, I, I want to see what this team looks like outside of Aoka Lee. There's no Aoka Lee. Again, you have the Glenn sisters. You have Serena Sundell coming back. You have a good recruiting class. You have a team that was put together to try to complement Aoka Lee. Now they're going to have to pe- play without them or without her. You get the first game uh, being an exhibition on Halloween night, 6.30 p.m. versus Fort Hayes State. Then they have a second exibu- uh, exhibition on November 4th versus Newman before uh, a doubleheader. They're the first leg of the doubleheader. They're playing Central Arkansas um, before the men on November 7th. And then they start off big time, playing massive big time uh, Big Ten competition, going to Milwaukee playing in the baseball stadium. If folks remember uh, us talking about it, they're going to be playing Wisconsin out there, and then they are facing off with Iowa and Bramlage early as well. So we are going to see what is going on with them from the jump. Um, volleyball, uh, you know, I it, it sucks uh, to report. You know, they, they got a five-set win after going down two sets uh, to zero. They came back last Wednesday beating Oklahoma 3-5. But when they were playing number 14, Baylor, again, they lose uh, three sets to one. Uh, And it's just just what this team is. They don't lose, or they they can beat some teams at the bottom realm. Um, They have not been able to get a win versus really anyone with a pulse. 
Um, just kind of a disappointing back end of that game versus Baylor. Um, they host Texas, number two Texas, on Friday night, 6.30 p.m. Um, it'll be on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, I mean, Texas lost to Iowa State, so they're, they're not immortal, but I'm not going to be holding my breath. But really, since you lost to Baylor, you really need to find a way to get that game versus Texas because, um, again, time is running out to put any sort of resume together to get to the NCAA tournament. They turn around and they'll play at KU next uh, Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Again, all of those games are on ESPN+. Uh, on the other side, um, the, the you would have liked to see a win, but K-State women's soccer, K-State soccer was able to get a draw versus KU. Now, again, you, you look at the total record, you're two wins below 500 with some losses. You only have one game at West Virginia, but you've cemented yourself that you are going to make the Big 12 tournament for the first time ever. West Virginia is pretty good. We're not going to beat West Virginia, I don't believe. I mean, but crazier things have happened. West Virginia is, you know, right at, they're they're number four in the Big 12. A win would get us back in that conversation to try to, uh, you know, that, that would get us tied with West Virginia for fourth in the Big 12. You'd be in that fourth, fifth conversation, but you're going to be moving on to the Big 12 tournament for the first time ever. Now, if folks haven't listened to it, go back and listen to the Q&A episode from Tuesday. I talk a lot about expectations and how K-State handles their non-revenue sports. Um, and what should people's expectations be? How should K-State handle all this? I go into a lot of internal thoughts, kind of projecting out how I think the donor class operates at K-State when it comes to this type of stuff. Um, and I think it's real good. If I was better with technology, I'd copy and paste it right here at the end of the show, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but that is the final game before the Big 12 tournament. It's Thursday night, 6 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, if they pull it off again, I think they're going to land at 4th or 5th place if they can get that win. So hopefully they can do it. Or at worst, maybe grab a draw, get an extra tie in there. Um, I, I think that would cement us in 6th place. Um, so again, best season so far for this women's soccer team, for this soccer team. I really hope they take that next step forward next year. That's all we have. Listen on Friday to the live show recorded on Wednesday night. And again, we love you guys. It's a massive one on Saturday. Happy homecoming weekend. Like I said, we love you guys and go Cats. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white.
waiting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. We face state wildcats for alma mater. Fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be. Fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go state! Podcast Network.